Please remain standing for the reading of God's word. Marty uh, preached an overview of chapter 7 through 12 about the prophecies and visions of Daniel. We want to uh, hone in on this one particular one in chapter 9 before we go on to our next study in the letters of Peter. This is Daniel 9. I'll read the heart of it, the key verse in 24. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Heavenly Father, as we read this chapter, we will find that Daniel was praying for something extraordinary, for the return of your people to your city, Jerusalem. And you answered his prayer with the promise to go above and beyond all that we could ask or imagine, to promise not just restoration to an earthly city, but restoration to you, through the anointed one, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you would catch that vision, that we would not just look down at the here and now, but we would look up to that which is eternal and live each day in the light of what you have set before us through Jesus Christ. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. That is our theme this morning. Jesus taught us to pray for our daily needs. In the Lord's Prayer, we pray for our daily bread. That's all of our physical needs. We, we usually are praying for things about this world, and they're not wrong prayers. Daniel was remembering the promise of God through Jeremiah that he would, after 70 years, restore Jerusalem. And he was praying for that. But God answered with something, with a promise that was astounding, that was above what he was asking, above what he imagined. I ask you, what are you focused on? What are the issues that need to be fixed in your life? You can take them to the Lord and you can pray for them. But remember that his answer to you is far greater than merely satisfying that need here and now. Sometimes here and now, God will answer in amazing, extraordinary ways. Uh, let's just begin with the, the beginning of the chapter in Daniel chapter uh, 9, verse 1. And let's see how Daniel is praying for something that is extraordinary, but it's still in earthly terms. In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylonian kingdom, you pause here. The first year of Darius, this is the Darius who was king when Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Remember two weeks ago when we talked about that, the reason he was thrown into the lion's den is because his enemies uh, outlawed praying to anyone else but Darius for 30 days. It doesn't tell us what Daniel was praying. In this chapter, we learn what Daniel was praying when he was thrown into the lion's den. In the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures, according to the word the Lord had given to Jeremiah the prophet, that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. 
So I turned to the Lord and pleaded with him in prayer and petition, in fasting, and in sackcloth and ashes. Notice that Daniel learned what to pray for from the scriptures. We often think of prayer as a way to tell God what to do. We don't say it in those words. But we say, God, this is, this is what we need. This is what we want. We pray for it. Daniel went to the, the word of God, learned the promises of God. He was aligning his desires to the will of God and then prayed for that. When we pray, and it's not something the scriptures specifically address, we still ought to have that deeper prayer. Lord, we know you know best. We want your will because you're our heavenly father. You care for us. Help us to align our will with your will. And we pray for this. Daniel found from the prophet Jeremiah that the desolation of Jerusalem will last 70 years. And so he was praying according to what he knew to be God's will for the restoration of the city of Jerusalem. And he pleaded with him in prayer and petition in fasting, sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. It's astounding here that Daniel is praying, confessing sins, not just saying, restore us. You see, this Daniel goes to this depth, and God answers in an extraordinary way, addressing sin. Now, let's just kind of bring it home. Uh, the last week, Mary and I uh, were out of town because I had the privilege of conducting the funeral for Mary's mother. And the day before the funeral, which was on a, a Friday, Mary is responsible for flowers for the reception. And that it may seem a small task until you get to the day before the reception out of town trying to go to the store where the flowers are being prepared. It was a public grocery store. And she had had experience with hydrangeas uh, before where you buy them the one day and the next day half of them are wilted. And she began to be concerned about can we pull this off when we wanted to be with family and yet we were, had this task to take care of to go set up the reception room. And she was beginning to feel kind of overwhelmed by the small practicalities of life. And we drove up to the public and she said, we just need to pray. And I said, let's pray. And so we prayed, Lord, please take care of us and take care of this. This is a time of, of grief and sadness and also celebration. But help these little logistics work out so that we're not you know, distracted from family and from the celebration of life. Uh, that you give. Just let everything fall together. Help us take care of the daily bread. And then we went into Publix. And the florist happened to be there in the grocery store. It wasn't a florist shop. The florist didn't have to be there. The florist was there. Mary expressed her concerns that if she bought them today, would they be wilted tomorrow? And uh, the florist said, you can you know, leave them here. She started helping uh, Mary work out the details. And then the florist said... You know, I usually don't have to come in at 6.30 on a Friday morning, but tomorrow I, I do. And I'll have lots of time. 
let me just do this for you tomorrow morning. And Mary said, that, that would be great, but I, I hate to trouble you. And I'm whispering, thank you, thank you. <laughs> but Mary says, I hate to trouble you. I'm saying, thank you, thank you. And, uh, and she says, we'll come by and pick them up then. And the florist said, no, when I get off of work, what time is the, the reception? And how, it's 10 minutes away. She said, I'll just take them and set them up for you. And Mary said, this was above what we asked or imagined. And, and Mary thought of this when I was telling her this was the message. And she said, God was answering the prayer above we asked or imagined. That's the extraordinary thing. But you know what? I said, actually, this above we ask or imagine still has to do with the earthly provision. You know, when Daniel was praying, restore Jerusalem, consider how extraordinary that was. How many times did conquered peoples who were taken away from their land and assimilated into a foreign culture get to go back and restore, be restored to their place? That was extraordinary. Daniel could have been content with that above we ask or imagine. And that would have been a wonderful story. But God said, as big as you're thinking, I'm thinking bigger. What's your problem today? Take it to the Lord. But think bigger. Think about the eternal. Think about the sin that separates us from God. That we actually justly deserve his displeasure as the membership vow that we just asked says. And think about what God did about that. Now, in Daniel's prayer, he confesses his sins. And there's something unusual and extraordinary about that. Because all the stories I read of Daniel is he didn't do those things. Daniel could have prayed, oh God, our forefathers sinned against you. But he didn't. He said, we have sinned against you. Let's go back and look at the, the prayer uh, again itself. O oh Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with all who love him and obey his commands, we have sinned and done wrong. We have been wicked and have rebelled. We have turned away from your commands and laws. Often we resist confessing the sins of the group we belong to. When the church drifts away from Christ and his word, we think, we usually defend ourselves. We didn't do that. They did. Oh, Lord, please forgive your church and restore your church to its commitments to Christ and your word. When we think about our nation and our history, we usually think, I didn't do that. Instead of, oh, Lord, forgive our sins. This applies to issues of race and reconciliation we don't you feel that resistance to go back and say we but you know we do know how to do that how many of you are clemson fans and what springs to mind we won the national championship in football this year i know that more of you are alabama fans and we lost the national championship really did you play out there on the field you, you identify with your group, your people. We did this. My high point in high school football, I played high school football. My best game was against Dalton. I blocked a punt. I caused a fumble. I, I made numerous tackles. And we 
lost the game. Actually, the we is much more important than the I. In another game against Hickson, when I was actually literally run over by Mitchell Gravitt, whose name is imprinted on my face forever, (laughs) we won. The we counts for more than the I. We know how to do that. When we look at our country, we can say, Oh, Lord, we have sinned. Restore your people to yourself through the gospel of Christ. Can't we do that? Daniel prays that way. And he remembers that God has promised after 70 years he will restore. We'll move straight to God's answer. See, in Daniel's, uh, I did do a a PowerPoint uh, for this just to keep details before you. Whoops. There we go. Daniel's prayer. We have sinned. Oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, hear and act. Restore Jerusalem. And God answers, says, you're talking about 70 years? Let me tell you what will happen in 70 times 7 years. 70 sevens. This is God's promise. Seventy sevens are decreed for you. And this is verse 24, our key verse, the one that I read. Seventy sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. Okay, so what's the purpose of the seventy sevens? All those things that I just read from that verse. That's a bigger deal than just being restored to an earthly city. As Daniel confessed the sins for which God judged them and, and brought, took them away into exile, and he was praying for earthly restoration of the city, God says, but I have something eternal in mind. I will forgive your sins. It's 70 Verses 70 times 7. Kind of recognize that in the teaching of Jesus about how many times we should forgive others too. The length of the 70 sevens. Think of the, the 70 times 7 years. In some translations, you know, 70 weeks. It's weeks of years. It's, the word is just sevens. We're talking about 490 years. These are broken into three sections. In the next uh, verse, in verse uh, 25, it says, Know and understand this, from the issuing of the decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and sixty-two sevens. That leaves one seven left. But before we get to that, uh, God goes ahead and points out through Gabriel, uh, his angel, his messenger, He says, after the seven sevens and the 62 sevens, it says, it will be rebuilt. Not, excuse me. There will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. And the seven sevens, that refers to the the sequence. I'm messing myself up here. Um, I did this really well in the early service. I'm trying to copy Glenn, who does such a great job with PowerPoint. 
But I don't see what the next slide is coming up here. Before we get to the sequence of the 77s, let's talk about when the 490 years starts. Just put on your thinking caps here. From the time the word goes out to rebuild uh, the city, there are three dates that it could be. Cyrus issued his decree in 538 B.C. to allow Zerubbabel to return and to rebuild Jerusalem. Ezra, in 458 B.C., returns to Jerusalem to finish the job of restoring worship to the temple. And then in Nehemiah, in 445 B.C., he returned to repair and rebuild the walls of the city. That's kind of the last stage of it all. The heart of the restoration of Jerusalem is the restoration of worship in the city of God. And Ezra completes that task. I believe that's the best date to go with as the start. Now, it could be that when God is talking about 77s, he's using kind of formulaic numbers to say there will be a reasonable time to rebuild the city, a long interval period, and then a last short period in which I'm really going to accomplish big stuff. He might not have been meaning precise numbers. But you know what? When you look at when Ezra went back to restore and complete the work of, of restoring worship to the temple, watch what happens. It's extraordinary. The sequence of the 77s is this. The first 49 years is to rebuild Jerusalem after the exile. It's a reasonable period of time for the rebuilding of the city. Then there's 62 sevens. That's uh, 434 intervening years until the anointed one comes. Nothing is described as happening in that. God is just saying, I will answer your prayer and restore the city, but I've got more in mind. There's going to be this interval period. It's beyond the life of Daniel. You know what? Daniel didn't. Daniel was in his 80s when he was praying this prayer, at least in his 80s. He was too old to actually go back and experience himself the restoration of the city. He was praying for something beyond himself, even in his, the prayer for the earthly blessing. And God is pointing way beyond that to uh, the 434 intervening years. And after the 62 sevens, the next verse says this, verse uh, 26. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. Now, if I were Daniel hearing this message, I'd be thinking, wait a minute, I thought you were going to give a blessing above and beyond. This sounds ominous. The anointed one, that's coined phrase for the Messiah, will be cut off. And the city will be destroyed. And Daniel's going, gulp? What do you mean the anointed one will be cut off? Now, note this. This verse doesn't uh, say immediately after the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be cut off and the city and temple will be destroyed. Nor does it even say yet in the 70th seven. Only after the 62 sevens, these two things will happen. But then the next verse tells us what happens in the 70th seven. In verse 27, it says, He, the anointed one, will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. One seven-year period. He'll confirm the covenant with many in the middle 
of that seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and suffering. In the middle of the 70th seven, the anointed one will confirm a covenant with many and he'll put an end to sacrifice and suffering. Now, I know at the end of my outline, it says views. I'm not going to go much into views. There is a, 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 an alternate view that many Christians hold that this last seven is held to the end of history and is the Antichrist and all of that. I, I don't buy into that. And I actually don't think, it, if you buy into that, I'd like to borrow $2,000 from you and I'll pay you back in 70 days. And at the 69th day, I'll tell you that there's at least 2,000 years between the 69th day and the 70th day. Would you like that? Would you agree to that? God is promising he'll accomplish these things. And to have that, whoops, I've come up to the 69th, uh, 7. But now there's going to be this long interval period. That's kind of a reneging on the promise. God is promising that he will put an end to sin and atone for iniquity in these 77s, in these 490 years. How does he do it? Well, the, the Messiah will confirm a covenant with many. Confirm a covenant means the covenant already exists. It's the covenant of grace. And in the middle of that, that last seven-year period, he'll put an end to sacrifice and suffering. The Old Testament sacrifices pointed forward to the coming of Christ. Who put an end to that sacrifice? Was it not Jesus himself when he made the perfect sacrifice of himself on the cross? There's no longer a need for those sacrifices of the temple of the Old Testament because it's been fulfilled, it's been accomplished. Atonement for sin has been made. This has to be Jesus. It has to be. Remember the purpose of the 77s, to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy. That means to fulfill the vision and prophecy in such a way that it is, it, it, it's complete. God's will for our salvation, his plan is fully revealed. That happened in Christ in his first coming and to anoint the most holy. That's kind of a vague term. Christ himself is the most holy. He is risen from the dead, ascended into heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. But it's more than just Christ's uh, holiness and his glory. He has made perfect his bride, the church. He's made us most holy. Wow. Jesus confirmed the covenant of grace by paying for our sins on the cross. And Jesus put an end to sacrifice and suffering by making the perfect sacrifice of himself. That's what happens in the 70th seven. Now that's what God is promising. Daniel is saying, we have sinned. We deserve to be exiled. Now the time of of your promise of seven years is complete. Restore us to your city. And God says, I will. And I'll take care of your sins to boot. In fact, The negative things about what happens after that, that city that you're praying for to be restored, that's just an earthly blessing. And that earthly blessing will pass away. It says then, this may be after the 70th seven, this doesn't say that this happens in the 70th seven. On a wing of abominations, one will come to destroy until he himself is destroyed. Jesus himself, 
prophesies about the destruction of the temple and the city. And you know he quote, who he cites, who he quotes? Daniel. Jesus. So when you see standing in the holy place the abomination that causes desolation, spoken of through the prophet Daniel, let the reader understand, then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. And sure enough, Rome came in and destroyed the city in 70 AD. And Jesus prophesied about that. Do you catch what's going on here? God says, I'll give you the earthly blessing, but don't let that be your final trust and security. That earthly blessing will also perish and pass away. I'm going to do something far above what you ask or imagine by giving you eternal life by atoning for your sins through Christ. Now, let's deal with a couple of more uh, factors uh, here. Additional factors. Just, these are some details in terms of working out the timing of this prophecy. The birth of Christ was during the reign of King Herod, but King Herod died in 4 B.C. See, the Bible doesn't do, say this is B.C. and this is A.D., Historians did that, and they got it four years off. Because the Bible tells us that Jesus was born during the reign of Herod. So Jesus was born at least in 4 B.C. So that's the the best date uh, to begin with at his birth. The Bible tells us that he was 30 years old when he began his ministry. He He ministered for three years, which meant he died at the age of 33, which would have been 29 A.D. Hold that thought. Here's the timeline. With Ezra's return to Jerusalem, 458 B.C. 49 years, seven sevens to restore Jerusalem, 458 to 409 B.C. Intervening period of 62 sevens from 409 B.C. to 25 A.D. Until the coming of the anointed one, Christ has come. He's about to begin his earthly ministry. Then the 70th seven is going to be from 25 to 32 A.D. You remember what it said about the 70th seven? In the middle of the 70th seven, the anointed one will be cut off. Jesus was crucified in the middle of that 70th seven in 29 A.D. This is the most precise time prophecy in scripture along with the 70 year exile the 70 times 7 the 490 years until Christ would make atonement for our sin wow to finish transgression to put an end to sin to atone for wickedness to bring in everlasting righteousness to seal up vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy it's got to be Jesus and this is what he did. Daniel's prayer was forgive our sins and restore our city. What's your prayer this morning? What is it that you would love to have fixed in your life? We pray for all sorts of earthly things, and they're not wrong prayers. We've got health issues in our extended family. We're just praying, pleading with God, please, Lord, restore health. What, what, what is your prayer this morning? But we need to remember that the answer to that prayer is not the ultimate. God's promise is, I will do more than all you ask or imagine. I will restore your city for a while, but I'll give you life 
everlasting. Last week at the funeral, we didn't celebrate the flowers. They were a really nice touch. It was a a blessing. We remembered how God helped us through the daily needs. But what did we celebrate? We celebrated that Mary's mother was in heaven because Jesus paid for her sins on the cross, rose from the dead, and gave life to her and to all who trust in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we come to this special, special sacrament, the Lord's Supper, that signifies the death of Christ, his sacrifice for our sin, what Daniel was talking about. Let us fix our eyes on Christ, who is seated at the right hand of the Father. Let us set our hearts on him, for we have died, and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ appears then we will appear with him in glory. Let us remember that, that you have done for us eternally so that we can live through the ups and downs of this earthly life in the light of your great, astounding, above and beyond promise. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.